All right. Welcome to Heat in the Kitchen. AVI, your girlfriend's favorite podcast. Take it away. Uh, all right. Uh, welcome to the Heat in the Kitchen podcast number. I, honestly, I don't know because it's been a minute. I think double uh, digits for sure. No, I feel like it's nine. I don't know. No, uh, no, double digits. I'm Chef Avi Shemtov. Uh, with me is producer extraordinaire Corey O'Leary. He producer likes- who doesn't need to do anything because it's just like- Zoom. Yeah, these days now it's Zoom. Now there's no production going on, which is crazy because that's like literally what you get paid for every day, isn't it now, Corey? Uh, uh, yes, every day, yeah. all day, every day. People don't meetings. realize in this economy, people, restaurateurs like myself and our guests are getting crushed. Meanwhile, uh, Trader Joe's and Corey are making out uh, yeah. like gangbusters. In Harvard, Harvard University. Yeah, and Harvard, right. Well, Harvard's getting crushed. That's why they needed to take $9 million. Um, Anyway, with us today is Chef David Harnick of The Dining Car, uh, a food truck here in Boston, uh, catering company, uh, much like myself, does all kinds of things and, and wears all kinds of different hats. Dave, what's up, man? Doing well, as well as can be expected. I was about to say, that's the, nowadays, well is relative, right? So it's like, when you, nowadays when you say doing well, what you mean is like, Today's not the day I'm going to cry my soup. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I right, hold on. Well, let's take a quick poll. Ready? There's three people on the line. Right. May 1st, should the Massachusetts economy be opened up? I'm gonna, Dave, you go first. You're asking me, do I think that yes. everything should go back to normal on May 1st, like yes. in, in like a week and a half? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no. I'm going to go no, too. I'm going to double down. June I'm gonna 1st. Say that, I'm going to say that earlier today, I told somebody, I, I'm of the mind, and I understand, like, there's a lot of people, listen, we're all hurting. Um, I totally understand where, where there are lots of small business owners. They're going to hear this and go, like, that upsets me that he said that. But for me, it's like, I just wish that we would set a date far in the distant future and just adapt to the normal. Like, if you told me Christmas right now, I feel like a lot of us could get off of this, like, this weird in-between where we don't know how to operate. It's irresponsible to even talk about May, it's borderline irresponsible to talk about summer. Um, knowing what we know about the history of pandemics, the idea that once we start winning against this thing, that all of a sudden it's safe to go out. Um, that's like, Corey, to put it in a sports metaphor, that's like saying like you were down 10 points and you came back to within one or two and now you just like stop pressing or you stop guarding. Like at the end of the day, man, you still play defense. No, it's but it's – no. No, but yeah, but listen, under that scenario, the game's going to go on for another two years before you have something that's going to treat this thing. So I, I'm of the mind, and I understand I'm unique like this. Uh, I'm of the mind it's going to be, we're going to get a vaccine quicker than you think. It's not going to be, it's not going to be 2020. It's going to be after 2020. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But I still think that the answer is, so again, as crazy as it sounds, man, how, listen, Let's just think about like what a year is relative to our lifetimes. Like you gotta understand, like my my seven year old son had to get told yesterday he's not going back to first grade, right? Like he's got an incredible first grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Gray, Heights Elementary and Sharon. You probably uh, shouldn't say all that. An awesome, an awesome, awesome class. You know, and this is think about what half a year represents, right? That's twenty five percent of his total schooling so far. And that was heartbreaking. I'm sorry, but as a 35-year-old man, I look at it and go, if I got to let a whole year become kind of this weird new normal in order for us to survive, in order for people to stay alive, in order for my dad to stay alive. I mean, even like, let's pretend like people our age, Corey, we're pretending like 
Like we're not at risk. I'm reading about 32 year olds that, that, that pass away. I'm sorry. If you tell me that a year is what the cost is, that's a cost I'm willing to pay. Yeah, well, I just saw you eat. You have food on your table. Yeah, but but Corey, I don't just have a food food on my table. I'm working my ass off to put food on other people's tables, and not just my staff, but the general public. And so are other people. Of so course. the reality is, if we're the greatest country in America uh, in the world, if America is the greatest country in the world, then like then what we need to do, and this is why I think it's important to set a date further out. We need to acknowledge food insecurity. We need to acknowledge the economy, and we need to start protecting those people instead of pretending it's month by month. It's instead hilarious. Like, like, oh, oh, let's get, hey, here's, like, here's get, enough for next week. Here's enough for two weeks. Let's let's get let's get David's thoughts on this because uh, well, I, I, know, I, I know. I think, I think uh, May first is you know it, it's good to have the conversation, but it's it's totally arbitrary point in time. Sure. If you if you said to me. And it's also so personal as to what people's situation is, both both as individuals and as businesses. And there are some place, some things that uh, some people are finding ways to be in business that that are safe and are safe to their customers. And there are other people where I, I don't I don't understand how it can be safe. So to just say a date that's not attached to science or um, you know, I, I don't know what that is. And it is a very uncomfortable and unsettling thing to sit with the uncertainty. Like Avi and I have talked over many years about, you know, the, the, the great challenge of being in the food truck world for some of us is that there was so much uncertainty to everything, whether it was the generator or your staff or like the sites. A lottery. A lottery. So, you know, that, that's like this minuscule thing compared to this uncertainty that we're facing. And, um, but Dave, you know, don't you think, don't you think that, to some degree, and this is like, it comes of no, to no surprise to either Corey or you when I acknowledge my judgmental side, but don't you think it, it, it sh right now what we're seeing is like those of us who have, who have in our personal lives, but especially in our business lives, had to learn how to deal with things like generators going out and things like that, that we're adapting, we're pivoting, we're being nimble, as opposed to like, it's not to say I don't feel sorry for people that aren't able to pivot. Of course I feel sorry for them, but I look at the cheese. The tens of millions. Tens well, I just look of at, millions. No, Corey, you're- Corey. Yes, tens of millions. Corey, so you're talking about tens of millions of businesses? No, I'm talking about tens of millions of people. That I'm not talking about people that aren't pivoting. Yeah. I'm not talking about people because people don't have to pivot, Corey. Like people, and by the way, they are pivoting, Corey. They're, they're declaring. Yeah, going to eight-hour lines in a food bank. No, they're going to unemployment. They're going to, like, the reality is there are people going to food banks. Of course there are. But, but poverty is an existing thing in the United States of America, and that's terrible. What I'm saying, I'm talking about pivoting as far as business, yeah, as far well, as people, as, as far as industry. And what I'm seeing is the cheesecake factories and the TGIF. I read today three chains that might go out and one was TGIF Fridays. And I'm thinking to myself like, bro, like you're the most mundane um, formulaic corporation. Yeah, they've already the closed food. shops up. You know, like, like they were going out of business before like, this. I have sympathy for your people. I have sympathy for your staff. But like the idea that you can't figure out how to pivot, if TGIF Fridays could figure out quickly the logistics of doing takeout, they would do more than David and I hope to do. Like the reality is if they just put up on their website that they're offering like their mozzarella sticks, 
their little fried frozen chicken pieces, like and and margarita mixes with no alcohol, they would sell it. But they don't want to pivot because they're they're based on this margin, and they're looking at it and going, let's just lay everyone off, declare bankruptcy, and we'll all leave better for it. And I'm sorry, I don't have sympathy for that shit. I just don't. That's just no, nobody's nobody's gonna nobody's gonna cry over a TGI Fridays going out of business. What about what about Ruth Chris? Well, the people uh, who work at TGI Fridays will, of course, of course, and and to me, and that's a lot of people, right? But they, they were already they were already a poorly run business before that, though. So, like you know, like businesses that are gonna go out of business, this just expedited that, right? So you know, well, small business owners, you you have to pivot, right? TGI yes. Fridays doesn't have to pivot; they're a corporation. Okay, but so as a capitalist. What I keep trying to explain to people that are that think they're anti-capitalist, but really they're just using capitalism incorrectly, is that if you would stop spending your dollars with people who don't do things the way that you believe in, if you would stop being employed by people who don't do things that you believe in, then that's what so the beauty of capitalism is it's not dictated to us. Like Amazon, if all of us stopped ordering from Amazon tomorrow, we could write the ship as to the ethics and morals that we have a problem with, with Amazon. We all choose to keep spending the money with them. So then we really don't have as big a problem with Amazon as we talk. So the reality is like, I do feel terrible for the people that work at TGI Fridays, but I also look at it like, listen, that company was never a good company to you. You, you, know, you signed on for that and now you're gonna be in the, on the employment line. And I, and I feel terrible for you for that. At the same time, I'm also like, hopefully we learn our lesson with this and we don't just go local in our produce and go local in like, oh, I'd love a cow that was raised in mass. But we start spending money with local businesses and we start getting jobs with local companies. Because the reality is, if you went and worked at a mom and pop instead of a corporation, you're probably safer right now. Not 100%. Possibly, yeah. But at least there's a, there's a conversation to be had. Yeah, well, you guys both run local businesses and... You kept your staff on. Well, you had you have a salary staff. What about you, Dave? You have salary or hourly? Yeah, sal- salary. But we were in a in a in some ways in a fortunate position because we we become a much smaller business during the winter, and we were just hiring. We were just ramping up as this struck. Right. So, you know, it's a uh, it's a different situation, even than Avi, who who already had a restaurant. Let's say, you know, that was. Yeah, but Dave, I would say, I would say though, we're both in the same position in that like we were about to ramp up. Thank God we didn't. I've said if it happened a month later, it would have been a, a trickier situation because I was able to sort of condense down to, I, I have three companies. I was able to condense down to one that was able to operate and bring everybody that was salaried to that. Right. And one month later, I would have had bodies that depended on the one that really right. wasn't able to right. operate. Um, right. By the way, not for nothing, Dave, have you thought about like applying for giant government funds, then laying everybody off and giving yourself a giant bonus? Because <laughs> that's the blueprint that I'm seeing Ruth Chris lay, lay down. I'm seeing like seeing some of these other companies lay down. And I'm just curious to know if that's the right, if that's the play, you know? Yeah, I've got, I've got a plan. It's right. See it? Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Smart. I like it. So the the whole thing, right? Like, I, I, it cracks me up because we talk a lot of politics on this. Stop looking at your phone. I'm not going to do this all, right. all night. <laughs> Trying to see if Becker's coming on, baby. Am I allowed to drink? Yes. You're supposed to drink. Is that mojito? You're good. Uh, yeah, I saw the mint leaves, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, hey, some are living better than the others during coronavirus, huh? Uh, That's true. 
I'm hard to feel bad for a guy drinking a mojito. I'm just kidding. What should I have? A Schlitz? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm drinking. I'm drinking Nightlight out of the growler pour, baby boy. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was private stock. It looked like an old, you know, it's brown, not green. I guess. I'm I'm supporting a local brand. Oh, private tier room. I like it. I'm supporting a local brand too, Simca. Um, but it's yeah. it's but it's Nightlight from Night Shift. Um, so we spend a lot of time on politics, right? And you know, the whole big first eight episodes of this podcast talking about big government versus small government. Now a crisis happens, you know, everybody needs government. What happens? They let you down. And this is why I'm anti big government because they can't do anything correctly. They don't. Wait, they anything, they everybody, anything, anything at all, like zero no. or a hundred is no, no like, like 25%. They, they certainly don't know how to spend my money. They know how to spend 10% of my money. All right. You know, if, if I, if my tax money was going to another household or back to me at this point, instead of sending everybody $1,200 over a three month period, mm. that's, that money's already gone. Right. We talked about this on the last podcast. That money's gone, 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 gone. And they're going to fight over the next bill. And it's going to be the same thing. Small business, the small business uh, loans that ran out one week, right? Now there's, how many can I clarify something so if you asked me a week ago um I would have told you like that I was pretty adamant that that was fucked up um but I've actually it's fucked up that Ruth Chris gets money at all but I've actually so I agree listen there was look I don't want to turn this into a Trump bash session um well it's kind of hard to I mean it's a government failure it's not no but a Trump I think failure. so so I think that there are hmm. Trump has an interesting management strategy that I think works in his favor sometimes and really against him sometimes. Where his gut instinct is like when things are moving too slow, he comes from the private sector. So he thinks things should move really fast. When it's not moving that fast, he goes, well, if I go to the podium and I talk about this, then the people behind me are gonna have to hurry the fuck up. And the problem is that in certain things like the SBA, who processed 60,000 applications last year, getting one and a half million applications in a week, and banks having to deal with the follow-up of that, that was a clusterfuck. Now, as somebody who probably is going to, and I knock on wood when I say this, benefit from the PPP, I will say I was led to believe that it was really, really like almost nobody got it. And then just in the last few days, I've spoken to more than a handful of my peers who casually and almost embarrassingly are, are were forthcoming and like, yeah, I think I got in. Yeah, I think I got in. And so actually it probably wasn't as poorly executed. So I think what made it, I think what, what got overblown, and by the way, it needs to be extended. There are businesses left out. And it's one of those things like if, if you're going to leave one small business out, then you failed, right? You can't, there's no benefit to saving 99.9. Um, you're either saving them all or you're not it's either government's responsibility to save us or it isn't but it, it isn't right to give some people some and not others um with that said i think what happened was the sba sent out an email telling banks across the country that they were about to run out and they needed to get their last applications in and they all flooded them but the sba assumed that and so there was this couple day time frame where it looked like no one had gotten but that's because they had preemptively seen the numbers and just encouraged banks that were dragging their feet to jump, to jump in. I know that's what happened with me was that like, 
it, it, it appeared as though we hadn't gotten in. And it turns out that in that mass influx, we had been accounted for. So now again, I'm not going to because if they leave me out in the cold, well, I'm sure podcast, yeah. well, you yeah. haven't had, you, you haven't got any money then. Yeah. So I signed my loan docs yesterday and t- according to my bank tomorrow morning, when I wake up, the money should be in the account. If it's not, we have, I'm going to call both of you. We're going to get back on here right now. And I'm going to want bloodshed. Yeah. Um, but all right. So that's, I mean, and listen, I'm sure there's. By the way, when you keep saying like, stop checking your phone, that's what I'm looking at is I got a message from my bank. And so I'm like looking, but you know what? This is how bonkers American banks are. It's me. It's trying to encourage me to apply for the loan. <laughs> I'm like, it's just a mass. It's just a blank email saying apply now. Like, there is no loan. There's how about no loan. how about like all those systems like unemployment, all that they run on that computer code that's like from like 1958 or something? School stopped teaching it because it was so boring, and now it's like, hey, we need this. Ninety percent of the world's uh, computers run on this, and nobody knows how to do it. And it's like everything that ha- comes up, I'm like, oh my god. What is it? C plus plus? No, that's way newer. That's like you know, I mean, they had a door on this thing when they first invented it. You know what I mean? It's one of those type of things. But all right, so that original bill last time we were on, we said, what, it was over 6000 per person? And then everybody's getting 1200 right? So that, that's, a, that's a failure, right? If coronavirus is the number one thing that we have to rein in, right? Flatten the curve, stop coronavirus, help everybody, help Americans. Sure. Right? You can't pass a bill that leaves $4,800 going to wherever and not helping the American people. Right? Am I wrong? Yeah, so I agree with that. Corey, honestly, man, like, I feel like there's more exciting things that we can talk about than to beat the shit out of you and your politics. But the honest no, truth it's is, not even po- no, bro, it's like, not as the politics. only person, but as the news person here that remotely supports the people in the White House right now, man, Dave it's and I- the White House. Has nothing, to, has nothing to do with the White House. No, Dave and I can both tell you where the rest of that money went. Like, yeah, like, listen, you're going to get 1200 because you got to contribute to Kushner's real estate fund, bro. Like, oh, yeah. you have to. No, you got to, man. You got to. And listen, someday if your father-in-law is in the White House, you'll get your money and the rest of us get fucked. But that's what's going on. Look, the 25 million, 25 million to the Kennedy Center and then they laid off a thousand people. There's, listen, it's not, first of all, you understand that the president doesn't write, the president doesn't write law. You understand that. He only signs law. Right. So uh, listen, it's not even a politics thing. I'm just talking about coronavirus Americans. Oh, I'm sorry. Bottom line. I'm sorry. Okay. The president doesn't write law. No, he signs. He signs. But, but, but the president has what they call the bully pulpit. And he and this president is, is uh, quite skilled at um, the media and using the media. That's where he comes from. And so to say that, to make it like he doesn't write law and therefore he, he, he has no responsibility is a, that, that's like, I'm not saying he has no responsibility, uh, but he says- uh, I, I just felt like I needed to chime in there. Yeah, no, I got you. But Corey, he drives law. He doesn't write it, he drives it. He drives it. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, so you're telling me, so you're saying Congress was the ones that want that- that push this forward? Congress writes it. Yes. No. Yeah, at the behest of their Lord and Savior. Anyway, I don't want to argue politics. All, Chris, yeah. all right, all I've right. had a long day. Well, Nancy did. Well, listen, talk about the, talking about the media. Uh, one more thing about the media, right? Sure. So Trump, desperate for, desperate for a cure, right? He talks about this hydra- uh, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, right? I've heard of it. Yeah, all I've heard is it doesn't work. You know, unproven drug. I heard again on the news. Right? I watch the nightly news every night. Just to see. Doesn't work. It, unproven. So there's a study yesterday. Uh, more people actually died on it than not on it. It's, 
everything is completely, it's, first of all, it's a generic drug. It costs nothing to make, right? And they keep bashing the president for saying that this, there's plenty of studies that it's going to be good and there's going to be a lot more studies that are actually scientifically done and it will say, oh, right, it helps with symptoms. And it's like everybody should be touted. And like, hey, everybody study this. Let's see if it works, right? Instead, they just say, Trump keeps talking about unproven drug. Oh, he must have a stake in the company, blah, blah. It's a generic drug. Meanwhile, there's another drug it just two days ago, study passed, helped 66% of people, right? 25% of people, severe side effects, right? Private drug, cost, it's going to cost $1,000 a dose. It leads the news, right? So I'm like, this Corey, is... Corey, but the, and I've, I've told you this a thousand times. This is why I hate debating politics with you is because I'm as middle as middle gets. You keep no, saying I, th that, but I think they jumped so ugly on Trump about that, about that, like, oh, stake in the company, blah, blah, blah. I thought that was unfair. I actually, listen, first of all, I honestly believe, really believe that Trump, and I know David will disagree with me. I believe Trump does what he thinks is best for everyone. I don't always agree with it. Generally, I disagree with it, but I never think that he's doing it. I think sometimes he's doing it ego-wise, but I don't no, think- he does a lot of things ego-wise, But sure. I don't think that, like, I, I thought that whole jumping on him ugly on that i thought that was wrong i i, I did but it's hard um, for me to say that to you when you just came out like that and a minute ago you were like oh like I, i'm not with that like listen trump's a fucking buffoon politicians suck in general on both parties this whole thing has been a clusterfuck on the other hand it also probably would have been a clusterfuck with any other u.s president so the reality is i'm not here to crucify trump but i'm also not going to sit here and let him off either uh, no i'm not saying i'm talking about listen We've done basically what everybody's been staying home for, you know, well more than a month now. Right. So if there's not going to be, if there's not going to be a vaccine. It, well, all right. But if, bro, I see people out like out. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. And it's how, it's, where? It's, well, um, I never leave. So how do I know? So. Right. So there you go. See, listen, don't get me wrong. I'll stay in quarantine for the rest of my life. Like I literally do not care. You know what I mean? But that, like, that's so elitist to say like, Oh yeah, we'll just stay home. Yeah. What's the big deal? You know what I mean? Like it's people can't stay home. You, people have to make money somehow. Right. No, my point is I see, but I see people out there who aren't out there for work. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I saw somebody the other day smoking a cigarette right next to somebody at a, at a crosswalk. I'm like, bro, you're literally putting your lung vapors out into the world. Oh, ho, what up? Hey, Dave. Oh, dude, I love this hair. <laughs> I saw a picture of you yesterday, that kit, the picture of you in the kitchen um, doing that charity work. And I saw and I almost commented on that hair, but instead I just gave you the clap clap. But I wanted to say like, damn that hair, bro. Dude, they made me put a hairnet on and I was like, it, was, it contained it like a little mushroom cap. <laughs> dude, that is intense hair. Oh, I know. I've been Guys, doing I don't want to change the, the whole, the whole, I don't want, I understand we're having the political, but I, but can we get on something more positive? No, I wasn't, I, honestly, the whole reason about it is just like, I just want to know when, when are we going to start that? Cause you say May, right? So then if it is it June, no, it's not June. No, I'm a voter July, for Christmas. July. I'm, I'm voting I'm, and I'm not making a joke. I'm legitimately, my mind's on, can we aim at Christmas and then see where we're at? Yeah, but unless the government gives everybody a thousand dollars, you know, every two weeks, that's not going to happen. Why? There is an economy to be had. It's a nimble 
hustle pivot economy. But there's an economy to be had. Dude, every, what is it, like 40,000 deaths, every point unemployment goes up? Like, you're going to get more deaths doing it that way. You can't just shut the government, shut everything down for till Christmas. Unless- Corey, why would, un- well, to your point, though, oh, un- that's it's not statistic- going to go up. Everyone's unemployed. No, every point unemployment rises. But my point is, who's getting further unemployed? I thought you were going to change the subject to something. What were you guys talking about before? This. Thank you, I just oh, want to no, know, so know when to we're going to start. I just want to know when anything is going to happen. Dave, Dave, when can Corey, people come to Juniper again? When right, can people guys, come Dave, to Juniper? Dave, Dave Becker is on. Just want to throw that out. I know it's a different world now with Zoom. Um, so some of you watching on video will see it, but people just listening won't, won't know. But Dave Becker just uh, joined us. Chef Dave Becker of uh, Juniper, Bolani. Hey, Glenn, that's um, your book right there. I saw the book in the back. I saw and, that. I was Bobby, like, your book's behind me, too. And, of course, you you know, I can't believe you motherfucker didn't have my cookbook in the back. No, it's right there. Um, <laughs> that was, yeah, fuck you. you. You literally didn't have that in show. I don't care. No, so you still need to sign mine. Uh, listen, huh? You still need oh, yeah, to sign yours. Listen, my cookbook was, was half trash, and Dave's was dope, dope. And to be honest with you, so Dave, uh, Dave, uh, David, I don't know if you saw this, but today Eater did a roundup of uh, the best Boston cookbooks, like, like no time limit, like just in general, the best Boston cookbooks. And of, on a list of like 10 cookbooks uh, with all the names you'd expect there, like quality, like not making a joke about media blowing people, but actually the names that, that you know, belong there. Mr. Mr. and Chef Dave Becker had two books on the list he had both the sweet basil cookbook and the juniper cookbook and um owning and both Dave, of them. she even like shouted out the other one like my little bastard stepchild stewed book i like that oh no shit yeah, no, she, i didn't i didn't read i just sc- scrolled through to see if, if single pack cookbook made it yeah. um <laughs> she's from fucking sharon and she shows me no fucking one. Yeah. my book sucked i mean i'm not gonna sit here and argue that it belonged in the list i'm just sitting here and saying that like you know what did it suck though? Your book launch party. Yeah, that, that was fun. That was, that cool. was fun. Yeah, that was good. Your book sucked. Yeah, I cooked. I actually cooked a couple things in your cookbook. So I'll say this: without going recipe for recipe, is is single guy cookbook worse than than? I mean, there's a couple books on that list. I'm just saying, like, maybe his book got great promotion, but is it like did they reinvent a cuisine that I don't know about? Like, did it like your book was dope as fuck? But like, I'm just gonna say like that didn't like that book didn't do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> is, is the purpose of a cookbook to reinvent a cuisine um, for the so ego think, of the chef? Yeah. So in my opinion, it, in my judgment, to call a cookbook great, yeah, it has to reinvent something. Like if, if it's, so if it's just a regurgitation, yeah. what was that? I was going to say it has to, it, it would have to like change something, but I, I don't know. Cause there are a bunch of cookbooks that I know that like, I mean, I should show you one here. That's like, I was actually going to play this thing, this book. You guys see this? I think that's a manuscript. No, I know. It's like, it is so, it's, that's like electrical tape holding the binding together. Yeah, it's like the soup Nazis, uh, you know, the soup Nazis, uh, like recipes. That's where he gets all this shit that he, he's really, there's a man behind the curtain. And it's a uh, culinary artistry. And it's basically like, I don't know. I, I leave, I've been leaping through this since whenever it came out, like, I don't know, 20 years ago. I've never read a cookbook. In fact, I bought Dan Whalen's Stuffed, which is a great cookbook. Um, I bought Dan Whalen's Stuffed when I signed my first cookbook deal just because I was like, I need to know what a cookbook looks like. <laughs> I legit had no fucking clue. I signed a deal 
and had no idea what a book looked like. I'm like, I don't know what a cookbook looks like. Um, but Dave, to your, to your question, when you're working with a publisher on a cookbook and you submit something that's been done, they've done a ton of research and they'll kick it back to you and they'll go like, this isn't like blah, blah, blah has done this in their book. So, so yeah, does a cookbook need to be original? Yeah. And it needs to- No, no, not original. You said reinvent a, reinvent a cuisine. So my and, point and, being, my point being, if you're just, if you're, if you're, if the, if the idea on the cover is that you're doing something innovative and exciting, and then you just regurgitate stuff that I've seen in some form or another, then it's not. That's not truth in advertising. Right. And it's right. not a cookbook. It's just, it's just, right. a, it's just a conglomeration of other cookbooks. So my point is just like, right. I don't know that my point is I there are books on there on that list, which included a lot of, the, you know, all the notable, like all the, the usual suspects, the only books on that, um, that I was like, oh yeah, there's stuff in there that's interesting. Like if you, you've been to Juniper, right? Me? Yeah. Well, you cooked there with me. Yeah. I've been to Juniper. Juniper reinvented a cuisine. I mean, Juniper did. Dave's, Dave gets embarrassed when we start not, when we start putting him on. Yeah, but that's because he stole it from that manuscript right there. That's the, you know, that's <laughs> what. No, it was just the first few pages I looked at were like blue <laughs> potato chips with caviar. I'm like, dated ass shit. <laughs> <laughs> My point is like, Juniper reinvented a cuisine. Like, you know, I went to Juniper and I was like, there was stuff there that like no one had ever thought of. And that's, so when you see the Juniper cookbook on that list, you go, that's a book that like, I told Dave, I'm like, there's a hundred cooks in the city of Boston, sous chef or above, who he doesn't know who own that book. I and to hear that. To me, that's like, when I, when I saw that list, I respected Rachel for putting that list out because like she had Sweet Basil's book on that. Sweet Basil reinvented a cuisine. I mean, Sweet Basil gave a look at a cuisine that no one had taken before. And that's why it resonates, what, 20 years later, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that. I basically ripped off a cuisine and then made it so it was more, you know, it's, it's like, I think we just stopped hearing people coming into the restaurant being like, how come you're not playing Frank Sinatra? You know? Yeah, like, but <laughs> see, that's the thing about you is, man, you, you play it so humble. You guys are the same person in the sense that, like, like I, if I had the talent either one of you guys had with my, with my willingness to say I'm that good, I'd be so much better than I am. There's a value to being like, no, you didn't just rip off a cuisine. You took a cuisine and you riffed on it and you did it in a way that no one had ever done it. And it resonated with people. Um, quite honestly, it's not unlike what, what the dining car does in the sense that it's like, there's stuff like, there's nothing exciting and trendy pop newsworthy about a meatball sub. But if it's the best meatball sub I've ever had, then all of a sudden it's dope. It's like if you took a different look at it. So my point is, yes, you got to reinvent a cuisine, Dave, or you have to execute the absolute fuck out of it. So yeah. if you can write a cookbook to me that all of a sudden makes me a better cook, fine, you get on the list. But who's writing a cookbook that's showing me how to grill chicken on paper better than anyone had? Like that's, so yeah, if you're going to write a cookbook that belongs on a list, you got to reinvent a cuisine. I don't know why you're so worried about it, though, since you're on. Uh, you, forget books, man. Books are in the past. You're on TV like every day. My mom's texting me. Avi's on TV again and shit. We're on TV one day. One day. <laughs> she said again. Her quote was, Avi's on TV again. 
they aired on Saturday and on Sunday. Oh, <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't realize it was the same episode. That's that's the problem. I, think. <laughs> I gotta say that was a good episode. I was Yo, but that's that. it. That's in Rhode Island too. So that, great, that, uh, it's not just uh, yeah. not just lo- you're not not just local anymore. Yeah, I was proud on that episode. I was proud of it. Um, it was cool. Uh, but again, like I don't know. I still. By the way, just to be clear, like people think that it's that it's like a competitive. And it, I mean, I'm competitive, but. That it's like a oh fuck you I should be on the list. No single guy cookbook didn't. If the single guy cookbook was on that list, then I would have laughed at Juniper being on the list. I would be like, well, that doesn't really all that matter because like there was nothing reinvented in that book. I was disappointed. I got wedged into that book, and where I got disappointed halfway through was like we weren't reinventing anything. We were just doing things in like the kitschiest of ways. That's different. Like that's different. Juniper's Juniper's book reinvents cuisine. Sweet Basil reinvented cuisine. Dave, you should write a book. I should write. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you got time. Write the book. Well, that it'll it'll be the the COVID nineteen. Dining <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what actually would be cool. Um, you have it. You have until Christmas. You self publish. Let's write that book. Imagine if every Boston chef contributed one recipe from the COVID nineteen home cooking. That's actually a good idea. Wouldn't that be dope? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Everybody would buy a cookbook named after a disease. <laughs> the sickest cookbook. The sickest oh. cookbook. <laughs> yeah. uh, Listen, uh, I know this is going to bore the hell out of both the guys uh, that, are, that are our guests right now, Corey, but um, you got to get a couple big things out of the way, man. Kronk, huh? Woo! <laughs> like, I have, like, so many different emotions. It's Me too. It's like, fuck Gronk. Oh. You know, then it's like, well, okay. Belichick got something for nothing. All right. So my first, my first emotion was, so did you listen to, so we haven't talked since Brady left. So that was weird for me. Oh no, we have. And I told you like, it was awkward yeah, for me yeah. to watch him. But then I, I listened to the Stern thing and yeah, it made right. me kind of relate to him again and go like, all right, I can, I can root for him again. So when Gronk agrees to go, my first gut instinct was like, all right, I could kind of rock with him. Like I kind of rock with him. And then I then it then I read the story about how he kind of forced his way there. Yeah. And then I was like, "All right, now I kind of can't rock with him." And then I saw the Instagram thing today with the conch shell and all that. You saw that? Nah. No. Oh, wait, what did he do? <laughs> okay, so Brady, you guys are aware of the fact Brady went to Tampa yeah. Bay and that Gronk is now there. Yeah. Gronk forced his way there to okay. to Tampa Bay. Yeah. He came so, out of retirement. So Gronk told the Patriots that. He, he was going to – or he told the world that he would come out of retirement, but only if he went to Tampa Bay. So the Patriots ended up trading him for a draft pick. So he's now going to go play. So today on Instagram, Tom Brady posted a video in his backyard. He blows a conch shell. And oh, 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 I did see this, yes. Gronk runs to him and is like, tired, but Gronk is reporting. And <laughs> it made me feel like this was all a fucking show. And then when I read, when Gronk did an interview where he said, Corey, he said that he told Brady two months ago that the fire was lit and he was seriously looking at coming back. He's like, I'm interested to know your decision because, like, if you go to the right situation, even if it's with the Patriots. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Fuck, back. like, I would have paid Brady $30 million and say, yeah, bring Gronk with you. So, <laughs> so I'm like, if he said that, then it's, like, extra salty on my part to be like, dude, and then you bounce back. No, yeah, then it's like you guys really just, like, kept this from your team 
you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously you don't have a team because you're not under contract, but it's like, oh, fuck, we could have had Gronk and Brady, even just last year. You know, like, fuck, Gronk. Now, I thought you were retired. So there's know? a part of me that's like, that's excited to see what they do. And then oh, there's I'm also watching them every week for sure. Like, so I, like I told you last time, I'm going to win-win as a fan because, like, if they blow it out, then I'm like, dude, those boys are dope. And if they suck, then I'm like, dude, Belichick calls it as he sees nah, they, it. You know they're not going to suck, though. I don't know that. No, it, dude, they are loaded. If it brings, just given, stays upright, then it's – Yeah, maybe – like the whole team is, is that good? No. All, skill position. Yeah. Skill yeah. players. Only skill position, but the other stuff matters. Oh, the other stuff matters That's more, fun. I think. But uh, he's a good coach, though, I think, in Tampa Bay, so I think they'll be okay. That's... Sorry, Becker, what'd you say? What, when's the last time they won anything? Um, 2003. When Avi and I were in college, we watched that Fresh Super Bowl together. Freshman year in college. Okay, so that was like now. literally two weeks before I get expelled and charged with six felonies. <laughs> <laughs> and wrote a tremendous rap. Hey, you did write a rap, too. Wrote a great rap. No, uh, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, but Avi's, Avi moved into this room and they had a projector. The kid just like left it. So it was just, uh, like we were just feet up, thinking the world was at our feet. And then they said, fuck you. Uh, Remember we used to watch the Chappelle show every week on that shit? Um, yo, by the way, so the other thing we got to get out of the way is, and again, that will bore both of these gentlemen. You guys aren't Michael Jordan fans, right? N- neither one of you guys waited three years to watch The Last Dance. But- so I'm working on a guest for next week, Av. All right. Is it Michael Jordan? No, but he was teammates with Michael Jordan on the early what, uh, early dynasty. What Bulls. did they serve oh. at the Michael Jordan uh, games? That's what I want to know. Dude, so did you see, by the way, while you, it's funny you mentioned that, the Atlanta Braves announced today that, that their staff is at the stadium cooking all the food that they had ordered for, the, for all the games for the month of April and delivering it to 250,000 homes. Badass! That's dope. Like, that is crazy dope. That is, like, wow. Like, that is so amazing. To me, that's amazing. Now you're talking. Yeah. Georgia's opening on uh, Friday, I think they said. What is? Georgia. Like, they're reopening. Just reopening. But you want to massage. You should get on a plane and go there. Yeah. Sounds safe. And then come right back. Like, we should actually just, like, we should just book a flight there and come right back. That's right. No, but my uh, not to go down this road, but like, unless there's a vaccine, you can't ever reopen the economy. You understand? And yet you're going down the road. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, but it's like you can't you either stay inside forever or until there's a vaccine or, you know, it's like true. there's no other thing. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? You either have, if you what's the difference between May 1st or June 1st or July 1st or August 1st? Oh, Corey, I think that you're saying. What, what, what most people would call a truism. Yes, <laughs> until there is a vaccine, you cannot reopen the economy, and yet they are attempting to do it. No, but I'm, it, that's, you say Christmas, right? So that's a date, but if there's no vaccine, why even Christmas? No, I said, I said we should aim at Christmas and then see where we end up. Corey, if they come up with a vaccine next month, I'm all for all of us meeting at, at Juniper a month from today for dinner. Right. If they don't have that vaccine, I'm personally on the record willing to say right now, and I'm not speaking for anybody else. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not going to judge you. Everybody else got to do what, they gonna, what they're going to do. Personally, Avi Shemto is not going to have people sitting in Simka's dining room until there is 
a either a vaccine herd immunity or we we truly well, you can't get herd immunity unless you open the economy well probably you're right so again so that's probably not going to happen for me then but my okay. point is i'm not i don't care if a month from now they announce the economy is back open then I, then i'm gonna be in a worse position financially because I'm going to be doing takeout against places that are willing to let you sit in. I think, uh, I think, I think a lot of people, I think there'll still be a lot of people not going. You think, don't you think there'll be a lot of people that still won't be going out? I do. Some, but it will change. Like, listen, at the end of the day, like I said, I'm out there. You said you're staying in your house. I'm out there. These guys, I'm, I'm, I think Dave, I don't know what, I I realize I called both of you guys, Dave Harnick. (laughs) I don't know how much, how, like how out, like what, what your day to day looks like. Becker, I know, you're, I know, I mean, I know you're running two restaurants and, and out there, like I am like stopping at a coffee shop. I see these people. I'm sorry, but this idea that people are, are, are secluded or being safe. That's not true. Like you see people, you see Joe blows just doing their thing. You see like, like not in groups though, right? Like, I mean, it's not that it's it's mostly not in groups. It's not that it's in groups. It's that it's that it's, with reckless abandon, it's that it's that it's very commonplace for people to do the whole like, oh, sorry, I'm not wearing a mask thing, and it's like you're like, ah, uh, ah, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but you go to the grocery store and like, there's people that want to talk to you, like it, it it exists, and so this idea, of course, there's going to be people that still want to go to to like restaurants and sit there. There oh, are, well, yeah, of course, there'll be. If they announced the restaurants could open for this weekend. Oh, I would go. Yeah, for sure. I'd go to Simcoe or Juniper this weekend, for sure. You would? Yes. You're an idiot. <laughs> Why? <laughs> You're an idiot. You know they had this, like, what, COVID? I, I'm not going to live my life in fair, Avi. No, but that's not why. I'm just saying, like, unless you're going to just sit in your house forever, at some point you have to go out. Sure. So why not do it in the heart of the peak, you know? No. <laughs> I think, hey. No, we're not. No, that's the point, though. There is no peak. Hey, Dave. Uh, are there I'm, pouring, I'm pouring a little bit more uh, rum into my my tie here. I like it. Yeah. Are there any specials at uh, Juniper this weekend that we could uh, that, that Corey and I could could do a dine in experience? <laughs> you like sit on the patio and heckle people coming in, coming yeah. to get takeout, walking <laughs> while getting drunk, progressively drunker and drunker, starting three hours before open. So by the time that like. By the time the rush is there, we're just belligerently talking to people. No, I think this is going to permanently change some stuff. I think people are going to be weird. Like, I don't know. Like, there were th- three of the waitresses that were, like, there to, like, prepare takeout. Like, somebody said something funny and it was someone's birthday. And you could tell that they all wanted to, like, hug. But instead, they did, like, an awkward, like, elbow bump. <laughs> you know, and they work together all day. Like, they already have whatever the other person has. Like, there's no way that they they don't. There are only three of them. But the... um. I don't know. I just think everybody, it's a new behavior. I don't think people are going to like all of a sudden go crazy. Like it's, um, you know, armistice day or whatever, like, you know, throw parades and everybody go around and maybe, I mean, I might be wrong. I don't know. I feel like every time, every time we have a podcast, I'm embarrassed for some total wrong statement I make with confidence, you know, because like, the last time we were talking about the Corona, I'm like, people like the freak out. This is going to be not a big thing. And I'm like, totally wrong side of history. I'm, I'm, I think I'm like cursed with being optimistic. As but not really. But you bet. Honestly, truthfully, though, it's like, yeah, we shut everything down. But I mean, you, I wouldn't say you were on the wrong side of history. It was like crazy blown out of proportion when you heard yeah. the so, statements early on. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? So, like, Becker, in fairness, because I was with you there. Um, that was early March. 
I feel like that's actually like, it's not really an indictment so much on your view or my view or Corey's view, as much as it is a sign of where we were as a country and what we were being given for information. Yeah. Um, Fauci was on, on TV. I think it was fe- on Le- Leap Day, February 29th. And he said the risk to human, to human transmission is very low, right? right? So it's February 29th. So if we're on a podcast March 2nd, like, why would we be freaking out about that? Like, that's... Yeah. He's hey, the- Becker. Becker, think about this. We were in New York City running amok. <laughs> like, in where we stayed. Like, in that neighborhood in Queens. Oh, not, not, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. No, weeks, no. Like, two weeks before that became, like, the epicenter for the world. You that guys probably hospital. did have it. Yeah. Well, you got, Abby, you got tested. Didn't you get tested? I got tested. Yeah. 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 That that Airbnb was the place to get it too. It's like there's no. There's yeah. Well, you got hepatitis. Maybe not COVID. Ah. No. The thing is, no, Becker. The thing about that Airbnb is that even the virus couldn't survive there. So like, <laughs> that's like actually the cure to the virus is that Airbnb. It's <laughs> so funny. It's a shithole. Yeah, no, but that, that hospital is the Wyckoff Hospital, and it's like right—it's like literally a block away from that neighborhood. That's like Queens. That neighborhood in Queens is where everybody died. Or it's everybody. called the Wyckoff Hospital. White White. So it's W Y K O F F. It's like right there. Damn. Huh. Yeah. No, yeah, that's crazy. That was that was only six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, we were we were there on March second with the yeah, day. right. Bonkers, yeah. man, bonkers. Um. Bonkers. So, uh, I saw they just gave away some ventilators too in New York. I'm like, what are they doing? I thought they, I thought they were uh, like still in the peak zone or whatever. I don't know. Uh, we I should think probably... that they were saying that whatever ventilators they got, they're just going to immediately ship them to the next place that's getting, you know, that's yeah. that's in deep shit. I'm like, you're in uh, New York City. There's eight million people there. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I mean, if it's over, it's over. But I mean, you told us for weeks that you didn't have enough, and now you get them, and now you're like, now nah, we're just gonna send them out. <laughs> I don't understand that. I don't know. Um, the so anybody want to talk about what they got going on to like business wise during all this, or like to combat it, or ideas, pivots? I, I'm happy to talk about what I got going on, but I'd love to hear you guys. I've been messing around with some microwavable chicken parms with like instructions on how to do it. So that's pretty cool. It's like four minutes in the microwave and you wouldn't even know it. It's pretty good. That's it. Yeah. Just like stack them up and uh, I don't know. I've, I'm like happy about that, but it, I feel like I should have at least done that like 15 years ago or it's like, you know, it's like you know, but it's like figure out the right containers and get the label, maybe get some cool like branding on that. And I don't know, try to sell it, but I don't know. Uh, so you're saying like they're for sale now or you're, you're trying to? Kind of. They're not for sale in any like slick way now. I mean, I'm basically, it's like once I have it like good and like looking like a professional package, I might try to sell it to like local supermarkets and stuff and see if I can get them in. That's yeah. pretty cool. I, I mean, I, I sold slow cooker meals for the first time today. Um, like I took orders last week and they were far from professional package. They were like in freezer bags with like handwritten instructions. Um, and some with no instructions. Then I learned through email that some people don't know how to put something in a slow cooker. So then I was like getting like, like I was like giving people directions that I never thought I'd have to give a person. Like, um, so the only thing uh, I've ever made in a slow cooker myself is a cannabis oil. I did half coconut oil, half Evo, and then like a made like a quart mason jar of like really shitty weed and just let it steep for like two days. And it's, I actually still have it. It's good. 
I'll like knock you on your ass. But that's like period, like the only thing I've actually used my slow cooker for. And I'm not saying that just maybe I just don't have the patience. Uh, so, I mean, there's no patience. Like for me, it's like maybe the forethought. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. By the time I'm hungry, I'm already starving. So like, it's just like, yeah, yeah. For me, it's like, it's just like, so I grew up with my dad would like make this one thing in a slow cooker. I mean, and that's actually what I sold somebody today. And so like, it's for me, it's like, I'm just used to like, Hey, if you want this tomorrow morning, like on Saturday morning, then do this on Friday afternoon. And, um, damn, it's like in three minutes, I can like cut up some potatoes, pour some beans in, and then boom, the next morning it's cool. So today was like the first time I assembled these. Someone gave me this idea. Uh, my friend's wife uh, gave me an idea like a week ago. She was like, you should sell slow cooker meals. That's damn. That's a good idea. Cool. Yeah. Uh, then I ran it by Becker who told me it was genius. So I was like, well, if he thinks it's genius, no, it's so, great. I think, but I think I, it might be worth doing some branding though. I mean, I feel like that's like, the I have to, I have to, cause honestly these, when they, when you see them in the bag, you're like, that's super dope. Like, it's like, that's, if anything, that's my skill set. <laughs> it's like, you look at it and you go, I know that's going to be sick in eight hours. Like that's going to be dope. Um, but yeah, it needs some like branding on it and stuff. Cause otherwise it's just like, it's, looks like a drug deal. Like, it looks like I just, like, gave you some shady dank shit in, like, a, like an, a, an alley or some shit. Put the bag inside a cardboard box and then have the box be the branding, you know, or, like, a, just a plain box with a cool chubby chickpea sort of sticker on there. Yeah, like, that's a cool idea. I don't know. No, I like it. Stack the um, shit in the, I Yeah, know. I like it. Uh, what about you, Dave? David? Mr. Harnick? Anything cool? Uh, we're working – we're working to get our – get back out and uh, do contactless um, ordering with timed time delivery or pickup and uh, and also working on some you know meals that you can that we can prepare for you and you can pick up and take home and make yourself so and working on the uh, some of the things that are familiar people know from the dining car that they really like and then making it so that they can have that at home in the way that Dave is talking about. So, uh, Becker, so I watched, so uh, David, um, dude, it's fucking so complicated when you guys have the same name. It's true. Uh, sometimes it's like, four of in one room. <laughs> so, so Harnick. Yeah. You can uh, call me both. I know. So I'm saying, telling Becker and Corey. That he's Harnick, actually, hey, watch Avi. He's pointing to the guy he's talking to. But that's the problem in, in my, on my screen. Yeah. But I don't know if that's the same. Yeah, oh, no, it's the same. It is. All right, cool. So, so Harnick on uh, the other day did an Instagram uh, live video where he was like, where he was doing a cooking demo, which Becker's done during this time I've done. And I was telling him like, like, so I know, I know Becker well enough. And we talk at, for hours about cooking and about food to know that he, he also, he, like, you're the kind of chef Harnick that both of us look at the same like where we're like like there's just things like we both wing it like we both like just get it and he 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 wings it less than I do and just pretends to wing like he's pretending to wing it and he really knows what he's doing I'm actually winging it but you like you just like you know it like you explain it you can tell us why it happened and uh so watching Harnick do this video I was like I told him I'm like he should do like a series of shit where it's like simple shit, like shit that like you think, you know, like for example, he was showing caramelized onions. Right. And I'm like, 
if you just did a video of you caramelizing onion, you get like thousands of views. Because even people that really know how to cook would watch it. Because like a lot of people just heat up onions and burn them in oil and call them caramelized. And like you actually are doing it. Like, and there's a, there's a cool, there's a coolness factor there. There's something interesting to see. Then I told him, I'm like, then I said he should pivot off of that and then make meals off of that. Like where people get the me's in a box and then prepare the meal with him. Like as if they were as like, you know, you take the part that they're not going to be able to do away from them. Kind of like a meal kit with a video. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, cool. great idea. What do you think about that, Becker? I think it's great. Yeah. Huh. I think that's like, yeah, and have it be like two days to follow, and you can order it right from the, the video, like or there's like a link right on there. Yeah, that'd be sick. Right. So there's there are like these weird videos that people, it was an ASMR that people love to get high. <laughs> It'd be like the caramelizing of the onion. Like, <laughs> the oh, yeah. All it is is a video all sorts of, of shit. happening. I think there's one where it's like... Just, just a sizzle. Just a sizzle, yeah. Dave. And maybe me talking like an NPR host. Really yeah. yeah, totally. Hey, so as you can see, <laughs> the spells are breaking down. No, but there's, there's one where it's like bacon cooking in reverse and people watch it like people it's like an hour-long video people get like wicked high and watch it and it's like, cooking in reverse and so why do they get high to watch the video i don't want to really bacon, understand. it starts it starts as cooked bacon and then it uncooks and that's the video it's like, <laughs> it's like no you can like people like pay money on netflix to watch it it's like they, dave there are people watching people eat yeah. like that's a thing there's know? a thing on alaskan railroad I watched I it for three you. hours. I couldn't stop. And it was all it was was a train in Alaska. And it would, it would be like 387 miles to Nome. And then it would be like 380 miles to Nome. And then it gets to Nome. And all it is is, a, is like a little shack with a, with a front end loader parked in front of it. And that was the end of the show. I'm like, the whole fucking point of the show was just like that. And then it's like some guy takes like a GoPro off the front of the train and says, Thanks, guys, for watching. And it was three hours. And I couldn't stop watching it. No, like, Becker, it, Becker, Becker. That was not the whole point of the show. The whole point of the show was to get your high ass to give them marketing dollars. Yes, <laughs> but who? But the, obviously there were other people doing it. It's like, it wasn't. Maybe, I don't know what. He's like, I'm not the only weirdo. I don't <laughs> know what the total views were. No, I, I, I had Jesse come in and start watching it too. And she couldn't get off the couch. It was crazy. It was like messing So up. can somebody help? The Heat in the Kitchen podcast understand how to get in front of that viewer. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, you know, there is truth to it. I've worked on some websites, right? Fucking traffic cams get so many views. <laughs> and I'm talking about, like, any time. Like, you know, there's no traffic at noon. People are still looking at fucking downtown Providence. Like, <laughs> but, like I don't want to say. We need to be, we need to be super controversial. Harnick, say something homophobic and racist. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> uh, well, we already we already tried to talk about Trump, and you you vetoed that. So, well, it's, I didn't Trump is so crazy about politics. Is I wasn't I wasn't trying to talk about politics. I'm just saying it's not realistic to keep, to keep America shut down until December. That's it not realistic. Is realistic. It is. No, it's not. It's not unless the government's gonna if the government's gonna pay everybody and keep small businesses afloat, then it's then it's possible. If oh, not, really? this is what sucks about the scenario though is that right now is that everybody's so scared that even if they said, all right, everybody do whatever you want to do, no one's going to anyway. It's not like, oh, now that I'm allowed to, I'm going to go out and like go to. Well, well, you saw Sweden, right? Sweden didn't do lockdown. Now, are, are they still doing okay? 
they're, they're on track. So they have the same amount of people as Michigan, and they're slated to do – they basically said they're going to get herd immunity by May, and they're just, like, they're doing fine. Now, most people are social distancing, staying home. It's not like down, down home Stockholm is, like, at rush hour is, like, packed on the subway. You yeah. know, they're being responsible, but they just, like, you know, slow and steady, do what you can, and not shut everything down. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. – that, now I'm that's like the like, only the, test case in the world, basically. So. so Singapore was like got the they almost got like the little blue ribbon for being um as you know good at shutting things down as they did, and then they're getting fucked now. So it's like again, yeah. Well, because it's see, you know, it's a lot easier in Singapore or friggin' China if you have a dictatorship and you can just tell the people whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you know but I mean? you're gonna shut everything down. But they still didn't. It, there's still no, there's no vaccine, and people are still gonna get it every time that they <clears throat> shut it. Down. Oh yeah, but no, I'm saying like next week, the fucking king of Singapore or whatever could just be like, no one's doing shit, and you know you better fucking listen. Yeah. Does anybody on? Does anybody here on my screen, on the panel, if you will, <laughs> play um, in poker tournaments, like online poker tournaments or anything? Ever? Have you ever? I used to. Yeah. Are, are you aware of? Or in person. Anybody. <laughs> Becker and Harnick, aware of how it works, at least? I mean, so I have some passing knowledge about almost everything. Okay. <laughs> let's, hold on. Let's test this. New segment. <laughs> Tell me about Michael Jordan's documentary, The Last Dance. I was going to say something <laughs> a lot more controversial. Okay. So, listen. What you have to understand, if you've never played online poker, is that if you're in a tournament, say six or eight people, and at the beginning, the idiots are going to go all in just to do it. So unless you have an absolute made hand, you could have an amazing hand and you still sit the hand out because you go, there's two people and one of them is going to be eliminated. I view this stage right now as that stage of a poker tournament where it's like every country can ever do whatever the fuck they want, but no one has the answers yet. And I'd prefer to sit here with my cards tucked away safe until we figure out what, what it looks like, as opposed to jumping all in, maybe I win. Maybe all right, but I Christmas, what, what Both hand of them Christmas? seem like too much of a risk to what, me. What hand is Christmas? What hand is Christmas? You're, you're down there, you know, hey, you, everybody else got eliminated. You didn't play a hand, though. Is that what it is? Like, oh, yeah, Corey, I, at some I point, said, can we name, I said, can we call it, for example, Christmas, and then reevaluate? And then I said, if in, Jan if in, uh, if in July, it's over, by all means, great. It's not going to be over. We know it's not going to be over, though. Yeah, it's like I think the point earlier was like until there's a vaccine, it won't matter. But I do think it's like the herd, the herd immunity has to happen. I mean, it has to because that's like so when when COVID comes around in seven years and then three quarters of us have it, not that many. Like it'll be like a normal flu. Like people will die, some but some people will get sick and call up from school. But it won't be the same thing. And I think everyone was just worried about overwhelming the hospitals. And now we don't really need to worry about that anymore. See, well, that was the thing. No, the, right now, the goal was flat in the curve, right? We're, and we're still, no, but we're still doing everything, right? Sure. So, like, we're probably, like, right around our peak right now. Massachusetts, you would say, right? Probably. So, in According theory, supposedly, saying. statistically, the peak is this next week. All right. Well, I, well I also, we've been going down since, like, Thursday. And I think we probably went up a little bit today. So we're yeah we're right around we're, we're right expected around the, peak. the peak is expected this next week like this past week like we April 29th or something it was supposed to be this right past week that we just got through what we lost a thousand people we're expected to do a bigger number this next week and then see a downturn that's the expectation right 
So, but I mean, I think we've certainly flattened the curve. Hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Well, so Becker, to, but to what you just said about hospitals and what Corey's now saying, they're at their peak. They're at their, they're, they're, they're right at that edge. So yeah. what we've done. Are you sure? Yeah. Without a read, yeah, read up on that. There was I, just read, I just read New York was sending away their ventilators and shit. What do you mean? No, no, no. Massachusetts. We might have been a little. Edge? Is like, is we're still like, we're still right now to where if you had a heart attack tonight, you can go to a hospital. Yeah, but yeah. we're to a point where if this went up a tick, we'd be at max capacity and that would be the problem. So in other words, everything that we've done, what seems like an absurd, crazy person thing to do. Was the right thing to do has kept us to just the point where anybody that needs a bed can get one. So in other words, we can look back at this and say, we lost the least amount of people that we could have, as opposed to countries that lost people who may not have been lost because they literally couldn't have treated them. So any further than this, and they're starting to make decisions. So right now they haven't had to. So my point, Corey, is no, I don't think you come back from that brink and then go, well, we're good now. No, 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 no. Once you flatten the curve, right? Once you hit the peak and then, you know, it's flat, flat, flat. I mean, we're still like at least, you know, three weeks, probably a month, even longer before someone says like, all right, maybe in two weeks we can open the economy. You know, we're like six weeks away. I'm not saying start the economy or, you know, everybody go back to work tomorrow. But I'm saying like, if we're at our peak, right, you have to have some goal that's not Christmas because that's not realistic. (laughs) Why is it realistic? Avi, I, I've already explained to you. Economically, that's a, that's a statistical thing throughout history. For every rise, one, one point rise in unemployment, 40,000 people die. Suicide, starvation, people on the street. I don't know what it is. You know, read, read the, uh, the University of Chicago School of Economics handbook. But, you know, unless we just keep people propped up, keep businesses propped up, it's... It, it, it's going to get worse for America in the individuals, the Americans, if we, if we don't open the economy all so, of 2020. So, Corey, what do yeah. you – so I, I, what you just said, I, I, I get that. And, but what do you say to the person who is personally scared for their own health or, oh. or lives in a household – where they might, the younger person might be able to go to work, but the person that they're living with, their parents and uncle, whatever, are, all, are, are at risk. And now the economy opens and we're talking in general here about things in aggregate, kind of the way it is on you know, MSNBC and Fox News and CNN. But when it becomes personal, then it's not just statistics, it's about a person. Oh and yeah, for that's sure. That's a harder. That's a hard, much harder decision to make for an oh, individual. No, absolutely. First of all, like this is like, I, I, I mean, it obviously gets a lot of play, but it should really be like the the nursing home crisis because like it's like a vast majority of people dying are in like I think I think it was either Massachusetts or Rhode Island today. It was eighty percent of people that died, you know, yesterday were in nursing home. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, this thing gets in a nursing home and it just like wipes out the entire population. So yeah, I mean that's that's the reality. So like we if we protect these people by not starting America, sure. I mean that's there's two choices, right? 
either like isolate those people. Those people have to just be isolated from the rest of the world or you isolate everybody from everything. Right. There's only, those are the only two choices. If that's the, you know, you, well, maybe, that's maybe the only not. way to protect those people. Maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's a, there's, there's something that we can discover, but we just don't know what it is yet. Cause I keep, I, I keep hearing people say like, well, you got to open the economy slow. You got to open it slow. Like, how do you either open it slowly? What? Like Avi's business. Yeah. Avi, Simca can open, but uh, Juniper, you can't open Dynacar. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like one out of three businesses. Like, how do you do it slowly? Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, you either have to do it or you don't do it. But yeah. see that. So Corey, the do it or don't do it is why I'm saying something hypothetical. Like I'm just picking at random Christmas. You keep hyping on like harping on, but Christmas was just like, I was a lot to- more people will die from a bad economy in uh, America, not being to work, not doing anything than they will from coronavirus. If we just stay in quarantine until Christmas, so, a lot more people will die. So, the number one risk factor for death, according to the World Health Organization, is poverty. That's not lost on me. I've been the one saying that. From the, I think I said that on that episode that Becker and I were on. With that said, if you are the greatest country in the world, that, that kind of poverty is not a reality for most people overnight. So the Overnight? Reality- We've already been six weeks. All right, Corey. When I say overnight, I'm saying, like, you're acting as though, so like, in fairness, and again, I don't want to, we don't need to get into all of our personal situation financially. My point is, this hypothetical, the government has done, and I'm not, I'm not somebody that beats the drum in support of the government, especially this current White House, but a lot of people who have been impacted by this are being there is policy in place for them there is unemployment there's extra now being given quite honestly if we're keeping it a buck there's people doing better now because of this financially because if you're on unemployment right now and then you're getting six hundred a week you're actually doing better what i'd like to see i'd like to see i don't understand some of the some of the programs like look i know what i'm about to say sounds super insensitive but hospitals nurses doctors like listen they deserve our respect they deserve our appreciation they deserve our patience if you happen to deal with them because of what they're going through i don't know they need donations i don't know that we need to be buying the meals there are people in this country that do need meals being bought i haven't seen a single program raising money for restaurants to feed out of work restaurant employees i find it interesting that big restaurants in downtown boston are raising money to pay for meals for hospital workers. By the way, for whatever it's worth, like I think, listen, I have friends in every sector. Do you realize these hospitals aren't even expecting these meals? Like they get, they arrive and they didn't know they were coming. Um, <laughs> sure. I mean, Dave, that's true. Like that's straight up true. And like, fuck, I already had Dave's uh, micro, microwave <laughs> uh, chicken parm. No, I mean, it's bonkers. And, and yet, why couldn't we, because it pulls at the heartstrings of Americans to say, feed the nurses, that nurse's paycheck is still, it's still being direct deposited. Um, we should find other ways. Hey, look, buy a nurse. Not, I mean, not even buy a nurse a coffee, deliver them a coffee, pat on the back. Um, lots of ways that we could do nice things without it being financial. 
there are people that need help. So do I think that, do I think that in our economy, Corey, we need to find ways if we have to accept a later open date to take care of the people that are vulnerable? Of course we do. Why, why are we not asking people to donate money for Juniper, Sweet Basil, Dining Car, Simcha, to deliver meals for dinner time to the families in downtown Boston that are no longer getting their breakfast and lunch through school? That's a valuable thing to be doing. But there the are organizations people? doing that. Up. I know. Well, yeah. well, not raising the money. There are organizations feeding them. And actually, they're coming off of the budget. Town Hall is still doing it. So to their credit, but there are lots of towns, Dave, where they're not. And by the way, a town like Sharon, where I stepped up and did a program like that, is one because the nicer or well, more well-off the town is, right. the less likely the food insecure are to be fed. Right. My point I'm is- pr- I'm, pr- I'm proud that like Commonwealth Kitchen, where, where I cook, yep. they, are, they are doing that. And sure. I, I'm glad to be associated with that. And it's, and it's, so I just want to put that in for them. And that's awesome that they're doing that. But when I, so I spoke to, I mean, you know, I sent out an email, you were on it. Um, Ian So from Chicken and Rice Guys immediately jumped in and said, game. Cambriello from Bonetown Burgers said, game. Um, I mean, Becker and I had conversations early on where he said, 100%, let's go feed these kids. When I spoke to, the city of Boston, and I spoke to the liaison for that. They said, no, we're good. They said, we're good. We're going to be okay. So we turned our attentions more locally. My point is, where is the, there are people that are food insecure. So like, I know just firsthand, a lot of people are afraid to ask for help, but from, from posting on online that I had more than I could deal with from certain food programs I was dealing with, I've had lots of people in high level positions, by the way, in kitchens in the city of Boston, reach out to me and say, hey, can I come is it cool if I come grab some stuff, you know, for my family? Of course it is. Cool. Come by. I don't see us raising funds to feed out-of-work restaurant employees. I don't see us uh, raising funds to feed out-of-work. Um, by the way, do you guys realize, like, lawyers, doctors that only see well patients, they're all hurting. Yeah. <clears throat> like elective, yeah, that, oh, that do, like, elective surgeries and stuff. Like, they're sure. yeah. yeah, Nurses that do, like, so my cousin, for example, She's not in this state, but she's a, um, an x-ray technician. They're not yep. doing x-rays. Right. Like, that's not a thing they're doing. Dentists. So, huh? Dentists are. Dentists. Eye doctors. Right. Um, all these people. That Rheumatologists. Know- Podiatrists. No. <laughs> Lobotomists. Corey, you always have, you have a unique sense of like, when is the most inappropriate time to try to. Oh, do- real inappropriate. Says the person. Um, like, why are we fe- feeding hospital workers? You're calling me inappropriate? Yeah, but see, even that, you just proved my point. Like, my point is why I'm are saying every doctor. Yes, so Corey, why a are lot of people out of work. So and why I'm are we they should go back work. to work at some no, point. No, Corey, Corey, why are we feeding hospital work? Cut, yes, heartstrings. You're right. You're correct. But I'm just saying, like, it, it because a third-party person will donate yes. the funds. But the reality yes. is that nurse, man, that nurse can afford to buy me, you, and Dave. Like, we, you can, she can buy all of us. Yes. I think there's something to be said for like everybody wants to feel like they're part of it. And if you have people that are like definitely undoubtedly in harm's way, you know what I mean? Like they, they are, and they go to work every day and they can call out sick if they wanted. You know what I mean? They, it's not like they can't, there are people that are like, I'm just not feeling right. And then they, they're out of work for three weeks and their boss is like, how are you feeling? You're ready to come back. And they're like, Nope. And then there's other people that are like getting suited up and going into work every day. And it would be like, I think, I mean, that's how I feel. I mean, it's like, the, it's like 
dropping off food to you just want to feel like you're being part of it you know right, no, listen, no, oh, for sure they're heroes i'm not gonna say like they're not heroes. no you get the twitter applause if you shut you know you're feeding some cops in wellesley okay yeah. you know what i mean oh, hey oh great for you and you get the twitter applause a lot of people do it for that like and yeah. you know hey they're still doing it so more props to you but i hear what you're saying there's a lot more there's people that needed a lot more than those people but the yeah. point Corey, that i'm trying to get to wasn't the shit on anybody that's doing that it was to say that as a great nation, we can set a late date and find solutions to get to there without having people starve to death. Yeah, all right. If, Abhi, if Abhi Shemtov runs the country, you know, if, if Abhi Shemtov or Andrew Yang run the country, sure. But, uh, you know, they've, they've proven... Yeah, me or Yang. Yeah, yeah there you go. Like me, like, Abhi Yang. Abhi. There, there's zero evidence, zero proof that the government can actually do that effectively. No, Corey, I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking well, about us as people. Us as a people? A lot of people are out of fucking work. How are they going to do that? No, Corey, I'm saying those of us. Yes, the 70% who are, position, who are still working. No, who are in a position to do good. Yes. No, those of us who are feeding all the hospital workers or children in need, whatever, to, for there to be better communication about who's in need and help them. For people who are in need to be able to, no, listen, that's why I love capitalism is I don't need the government to help feed you. I can feed you or I can ask a friend to feed you or we can figure this out because we have, we can, right? I mean, we can, we just need, my point is that's why I need a later date is so that we hey, don't. I, I, got, I got a question for you. Yes, sorry. <laughs> so let's say Avi Shemtov is running the government. Well, no, there's no government. And I, we, just, we just expanded what you just said. You can take care of everyone by either coordinating with friends and you would use your network and then you would join in, you would you collect money, you'd make an appeal, you'd use your, your voice. And now you kept growing to expand, to take care of more and more people, right. greater and greater. You'd become a government. Of course. Well, but so that, so, but once you became big enough to be a government, then your vision would, lose sight of certain places and there would be there would be difficulties that you would have to encounter but dave and, i think but dave i think what you're missing in that is that tell me what i'm missing out tell me okay is that i am not sitting like as a central figure in in that scenario right i'm one of many inspiring my like inspiring some being inspired by others right and and it becomes a chain. So it, it becomes a chain of event without a government, without a bureaucratic process. So therefore, like I can feed the people that I can feed. Other people can feed the people that they can feed, and it becomes a pro a a chain of events in which people are taking care of that. So it doesn't become a government. It becomes a set of a bunch of people that understand that their neighbors need. And therefore, they should help. But, but now we're really talking in an esoteric way now. I'm not specifically talking about you. So, but if you then expanded this, not just to feeding people, but to building roads and making sure people are safe and all of the things that government take care of, then, you, then all of a sudden you might get a lens into how, yes, government gets, deserves criticism for the places where it really falls short. But if you just throw out government, you're actually throwing out what we're just talking about on a smaller scale. 
Sure, but Dave, I think you're misunderstanding me. I don't, I'm not saying we don't need government in general. I'm saying we don't need government to step up here is what I'm saying to Corey. Yeah, but so listen, if you want to shut down so to do this without needing government. To okay, step up. but listen, of course, we need government. How, uh, so I'm not a libertarian. So is the bank. So is the bank is the bank. There's a say, square above you. That's like I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Corey O'Leary is he doesn't even know. What he <laughs> I was going to say contrarian. I was going to say if, if I was trying to zoom in on Corey's face just to see what he was doing <laughs> when you were talking. I was like trying to be, I My head exploded. No, but listen, is the bank going to say. Nope. Hey, your your uh, your mortgage is not due, and the the you yes. know person of the house is gonna say your rent's not due because my yes. mortgage is due. Oh, the bank's gonna do that. Of I, course, the bank. Yeah, of course it is. They've already done. Of it. course, they've already done oh, it. Oh, you didn't pay your mortgage last month. No, I did. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Oh, now, well, what do you mean? I paid my mortgage. Okay, but they're the now, bank didn't. The bank didn't say nope. Sorry. They're now coming out with. Well, listen, my American Express called me off rip and said, we don't expect a dime for anything until this is all over. Lots of my vendors did. Do I well, think- the you got the black card. Right. Yeah, yeah, I have the black card. Um, if I called the bank and said, hey, listen, this is what's going on and we can resume, they would pause it. That's what's happening nationwide. You haven't heard of a single person, you heard of anybody getting foreclosed on, Corey? not happening it's only been one month all i've heard for years like 20 years is americans live paycheck to paycheck and now you're saying they can go without 40 paychecks and everything's gonna be fine no i'm not saying everything's gonna be fine i'm saying you have to put things on pause oh put things on pause so it has to the bank has to put their thing on pause right they yeah. have to across the board yeah okay so when that happens I'll let me understand the fine. problem with that I, listen, I don't have a problem with the bank doing that. No, I, do I think the bank is going to do that? No, I don't think the bank is going to do that. They're going to take their government loans and they're going to say, I'm sorry, we got money from the government, you didn't. <laughs> last, time, last time the banks went under, what happened? The government gave them money. Uh, and those were high interest loans that they paid back and the government made a lot of money on. Oh my God. Well, that's true. That's factual. Actually, that's said, fact. You should you should read a lot more. No, uh, Dave Dave says that's fact also. That's fact. Dave, that's fact, right? Yeah, that's fact, Gabby. I'm here to testify. Thank you. Yeah, Corey, those were high interest. QE. Loans. Read about read about QE. I'll read about QE. They did QE for like five years after the fact. They just ended it, but probably it, the, the banks have no trouble. No, they have no trouble. But I'm saying, but they also paid back those bailouts, and they paid them back with high interest. And the government made money, a good amount of money on those. And then they turned around and did quantitative oh. easing and gave them free money. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, we talk no, about Trump, yo, Trump's doing it now, too. They're doing the same thing now. It's the By the way, we're, in, like a, we're at almost at one and a half hours. Can we talk you, about something? You, you know, Avi, I haven't, I haven't had a conversation about politics in such a long time, as strongly as I feel about things, or as much as is I... Is that like, true? You're being sarcastic. This is like, I don't know. I'm, I'm drinking a little bit more tonight than I usually do. Say he likes it. He likes it. Dave's, I Dave's just want to talk about something that people outside of this circle are going to want to hear. <laughs> That's uh, what? Michael Jordan's last dance? Yeah. Or, 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 or. Oh, hold on. I know, I know you didn't like the Michael Jordan's last dance anyway, by the way. Of course I did. No, but you, you kind of thought like, I know most of this already. No, a lot of that was new shit. I mean, I knew, dude, I didn't, you know, what's funny. I didn't realize, and again, like, this would be more fun if, like, the, the two of them are going to be bored by this, but, like, I didn't realize, looking back on it, as a, as a sixth, seventh grader, 
I didn't realize how open the whole animosity with the organization from Pippen and Jordan. So the, the greatest American athlete in our history is openly saying, I'd love to play next year, but I won't play unless this team does this and they're not going to do this. And then he just ends it. Like I, I think a, a lot of that was in player for keeps, though. You probably read it a long time ago, but I read. That's why Mike was before his retirement. Playing for keeps came out before his retirement. Maybe you read a later version. Playing for keeps. Yeah, I, I read it like last year. Playing. Okay, so, I read playing for keeps while he was still playing. That's how Michael Jordan quit. He was like, "You guys, what did he? What was he asking for that they didn't give him?" No, what happened was it was his coach. So, spoiler alert, I will not see this movie, so you can go for it. It's a documentary, <laughs> but, but, but his coach, Phil Jackson, uh, and the general manager were at odds, and the general manager basically wasn't giving him a contract, and the owner stepped in because Jordan was like, I will never play for another coach. So, basically, like, they had won five titles and were going for their sixth, and the general manager was just literally just going to start from scratch. And the owner finally stepped in and made a deal with the coach so that they could keep the coach and Jordan. And Jordan was like, if the, anytime, as soon as the coach isn't here, I'm gone. And the general manager point blank said to the media, he said, the owner stepped in, they made their deal, but this is his last year and he'll be done after this. And then he said to him, doesn't matter if you win every game this year, you're done. And so Jordan said, if they don't bring him back, like, he's gone, then I'm gone. And so Michael Jordan retired. And, and Corey, I didn't realize. And then I looked back and I did a bunch of research. I read articles from that time. We're, like, midway through the season. He's doing, like, a sit-down interview. And he's talking about, like, openly about the fact that he's like, I'm not going to go play in Phoenix or in New York. He's like, if Phil's done in Chicago, then I'm done. Because I'm only going to play for Phil and I'm only going to play in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just crazy given the context of our time now where if an athlete did what either, I mean, Scotty Pippen guys. Now what did Scotty Pippen do? So Scotty Pippen was, so Scotty Pippen signed a contract <laughs> like in his like second year in the NBA looking, he comes from like, he comes from a family of like 47 kids. <laughs> um, yeah. It was like 12 kids, 12 kids. Yeah. 12 kids. He's like he, my he, third oldest brother. They lived in like a shack. <laughs> they had nothing. His dad was, was in a wheelchair one of his brothers was paralyzed in a wheelchair. He had nothing. So he immediately sought a long-term deal. So in the early 90s, he signed an eight- Seven year, years, seven years, years. Seven year for 18 million. And then like two years later, everything skyrocketed. So he would have been making like five, six million a year at that point. Uh, so, so the year that the Bulls were competing for this last championship, Jordan's earning 30 Three million dollars, thirty-six, I think. Yeah, it was Scotty Pippen's ordering two, two Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was like a top five player, and he was like paid as like the hundred and twenty-second best player in the league. So he was arguably, people say, arguably the second greatest player in the NBA. Not, not really fair to say that, but definitely top five. He was yeah, one of the five best five. players in the entire league. Yeah, and he was the sixth highest player, high-paid player on that team. So, Speaking of, you know, on Twitter during the last so dance. So what did he do? He, he had gotten – he had hurt his foot at the end of the last year in which he won the championship and played every game. Like, he didn't miss time because of the injury. And so he spent the entire summer doing whatever he wanted. No rehab, nothing. And right before the season started, he got surgery. 
So he missed more than half of the season. And he openly said to the press, I got hurt on their time. I'm not going to waste my fucking summer. Yeah. And, and it was like, and, and apparently, according to a lot of players, even though he was their second best player and they were chasing greatness, they all said they supported him. But Jordan in this documentary said Scotty was wrong for that. Yeah. Like, he screwed us. And um, did you see? Were you watching Twitter or like Instagram during this, dude? It was hilarious. Everybody's so like, Jordan could have easily tossed him an extra couple million. Just no, nah, like, not how it works. No, but Jordan could have job. That would have he'd go down history being the coolest guy ever. No, because they go in, they go into it. We're giving Jordan. Jordan we're giving one point eight billion, and Scotty is almost bankrupt. Jordan is that could have hired him at the Jordan company, but he doesn't. Is he almost bankrupt? Uh, he he declared bankruptcy a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Now he's back on his feet because of the ESPN job and everything. So is so someone on Twitter they're like Scotty Pippen so broke from that contract he's gonna get that twelve hundred dollars stimulus. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter was hilarious during that whole thing. Yeah, I love Twitter. There's it, it's hilarity so, out there. By really, the way, it's weird, right? Interesting dichotomy of human nature. You drive in traffic, you're convinced every person on the planet is stupid. You read the wittiness on the internet, you're convinced every person's a fucking genius. Like, there's hilarity on the internet. Oh, hilarity. God. Sometimes you read ones that, like, that's a great joke. That's a great joke. I, whoever put that, I was like, yeah. I, tried, I tried to book him on He in the Kitchen, but they, yeah, you got it. they ignored me. They're there's like, great hilarity on the internet. You know? I was getting skewered tonight, though. Like, I'm kidding. Like, well, it's like, he's not on tonight, so let's make fun of him. Like, who is Scotty? Nothing. I was just making words like here we are making fun of Scotty Pippen. He's never coming on now. Oh, Scotty Pippen wasn't going to come on here anyway. We don't have uh, he has got foot surgery to get during this show. He got hurt. He got hurt on. The- <laughs> no, it's the, it's another Scotty. I'm trying to get on it. Yeah, dude, that's how, uh, I know so many school teachers that are always trying to get knocked up. Right, I forget what what month it is. Nine month. They always it's like right around January, so they can like go into labor the first day of school. And like down, that, oh, that's that. Uh, you see that movie, Bad Teacher? Have you ever oh. seen that movie? You know, at the beginning, she's like, "Oh, it's in Chicago too." She's like, oh, "I spent some time hanging around a, a bar where all the Bulls players go, but it's so hard to get pregnant. All those guys, uh, not in a condom, and they're so paranoid they take the condom with them." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the first scene in the movie. I'm like, that's pretty funny. No, but the timing of get your foot surgery right when the season starts. Like, I've actually been sitting around, like, a backyard barbecue, like, talking about with, like, a, like a school teacher that, like, if you figure out how to get, like, when you get pregnant, when you give birth, you can actually get, like, the next time you work is, like, the second week of January. Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, so if you, get, if you like, have the baby, like, early September or whatever. Early September, then you basically, right when your maternity leaves up, it's yeah. vacation and you're done. It's, yeah. like, brilliant. So what was so great about Phil Jackson? Because I've always loved, like, the idea that he just kind of lets the pros be pros. Well, well, that was it. He was, like, with Scottie Pippen, like, getting her, like, having surgery at the beginning. He's like, whatever. I knew he was going to come back, and we just got to, you know, stay the yeah. course until he gets back, and he'll be fine. He's the Zen master. You know, he, he used to give every, every player a book to read in the offseason. That's and, cool. Like, so how would you compare his coaches? He was a, he was a hippie. He was a, he was a straight hippie, like, before yeah. that. Like yeah. an absolute hippie. Well, cause the way he, it's like, he, he never, he's like emotionless on the court, like courtside. He'd just be sitting there like watching the game, like a spectator, but then he's probably like figuring out how he's going to change things after, you know, but how would you compare it? Cause how would you compare his coaching style to Belichick's, you know, 
Because he probably because like Belichick doesn't do much during a game. Uh, no, they're master motivators. All they're these guys at the, the top locker. of their profession. All these guys at the top of their profession. They're just master motivators. They know how to get you to do what they need to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's oh, that's all that that's a large majority of coaching, especially in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like getting guys to play hard is like ninety percent of the job. So yeah. in the NBA, so it, by the way, Dave. So like it is. It is. Sport by sport, it changes so much. The yeah, thing baseball, about, you could manage. You know, basketball. The, you thing about, the thing about Belichick is he's the greatest mind of all time in a sport where coaching is the most valuable. So, like, a great coach with a mediocre quarterback and a mediocre roster is better off than a terrible coach with an amazing roster. Okay. As opposed to in the NBA, a shitty coach with an amazing roster is going to beat the greatest coach with a bad roster. It's a player's league. And so like, like coaches in the NBA don't like, they don't see what's happening and reinvent the game yeah. as it's happening. They're just like, listen, I mean, if you can't cover LeBron, you can't cover LeBron in the NBA, in the NFL, Belichick actually does do a lot during the game, like massive amounts. Mm. I, I always thought the, um, the NFL, like inside the NFL or whatever, that when they captured the Seahawks, uh, Super Bowl, and they captured the last two minutes, and the, and both sidelines, Pete Carroll and Belichick. That's like so telling as to how valuable coaching is. Is that like Belichick played it exactly right to the T, and had practiced. I mean, he practiced that play. He was aware of it. He scouted it out, but also he knew like when he saw Pete Carroll, like Pete Carroll's team gets this hugely lucky thing that happens to them. Their player bobbles a catch that never should have got caught and catches it. So the Patriots should be the one screwed, but Belichick catches that that caught Carroll off, like off. Um, they get it mixed up a little bit. They, they were, they were after the catch, they weren't prepared and they had to take a timeout. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, after, and then, and then afterwards Belichick, right. So my point is after that catch, the Patriots were set to call a timeout and most players, in the, most teams in the NFL would have, and Belichick is seen as signaling to his guys, no, no, no. No, 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 no. That's after the first down play. When they, for- after they run the ball, oh, they, right, right. they ran the ball first down, and Belichick says, no, don't take a timeout. Right, right. Because they, right. they had to – but the point is because they had to hurry up. To yeah, 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 right. And they didn't. And they, and they were off kilter, and they just yeah. run a play. And, and then yeah. it's clear that they never set, and Belichick sees it. And he got lucky, but it also worked out. Well – does he get lucky? Does he not? I mean, no, does he get lucky with the Malcolm Butler catch? Of course. Yeah, that's what I'm I mean. Saying, yeah. But I'm saying, but like in real time, he, he was aware. He played of, it right, yeah. In the NBA, that never happens, Dave. Like, like 99% of the time, you're taking a timeout in that situation. Like right. Belichick or anybody, right. you know what I mean? But and in the then, NBA, that never happens. You never, ever, ever, ever in the NBA look at a coaching decision and go, wow, that coaching decision changed the game. Unless it's personnel. Yeah, it's, personnel, it's, yeah. It's exactly. in somebody or something. But it's right. never like, oh my God, what a genius decision. Not to do this or not to do not that. to hey not to not to play Jordan against the Pacers in that one that that last game of the regular season or whatever you know what I'm talking about in the last dance it was they weren't going to make the playoffs and play the Celtics oh yeah uh, Jordan had already played his limit quota so, so they took him out with like 30 seconds left and uh, 14 seconds and John Paxson hit the top. <laughs> imagine living through that time that? so listen. There was all Wait, sorts of things. We're in an hour and 37 minutes. Lightning round. Lightning round. Let's go to everybody. Talk. Is Christmas, is Christmas a realistic time frame? 
I no. think so, man. I, absolutely. You've swayed me, Corey. It's, I'm totally in. No. Every, let's, let's go around the board. Here's your spotlight. You bring up any one thing that you want to talk about. It's on you. Start with I, Dave Harnick. I, uh, I got I to gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> I'm talking about it. out, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Becker, anything you want to talk about? One thing. Oh, man, this is great. I feel like – I think Christmas is actually, like, conservative. I, I think um, – I, I mean, I, I think that, like, things opening up slowly. People enjoy being scared. You know what I mean? I think that it's like there, there are people having the times of their lives right now. Like anyone in their 20s that's getting unemployment plus the 600 bucks, they're just getting so high every day and playing video games. It's like what they're doing. And like – <laughs> and they're the ones ordering all the takeout too though so it's like you know whatever that's what your like, 20s are for right functioning members of of uh you know dysfunctional being 20 it's like but i i just i can't imagine things are going to just be like all right everything it, it's going to take us years to get back to normal whatever but to your normal. point but to your point becker and 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 i wanted to start this podcast specifically because i felt like there's certain things that like you know, it's not PC to say whatever. And when you try to type it on a Facebook page, like it gets lost in arguing online. And it's easier to just say it. Is that like right now, one thing that doesn't get talked about is the fact that like people like us, the, the three of us, I mean, no offense, Corey, I'm not trying to exclude you specifically, but the three of us, we're in this middle ground where it's like, we have to earn a living. We have to support a bunch of people earning a living. And yet to your point, Dave, there's a bunch of people just treating it like it's one giant snow day. And it's like, are they, are they actually concerned? Some of them for sure. And I respect that and totally rock with it. But a lot of them are just like short sighted. This is fun. They don't have a lot of responsibilities. And so a lot of us are like, it's, it's amazing to me how many business owners that are friends of mine that I'm talking to as we try to find solutions who are actively trying to find stuff and find the business and can't find the bodies to staff that business. Yeah. And that's something that no one's talking about. No one's talking about the, the person that's like at home laid off and yet out and about, right? Like you're at home laid off and yet you're, you're hanging with 25 of your closest friends. Who's doing that? Are, are there people really doing that? Yeah, totally. People are doing that? Totally. Oh, Corey, 100% they're doing it. Like where? Like, I don't, 25 people? What I mean, do you want? Back I think the they're, if they're being responsible, it be like less Oh, than like house parties? That's what you're saying? Yeah, totally. Hang out, really? play video games, and like, yeah, it's the video game. It's like the, that's, there are people that come into work after having slept until three in the afternoon because they stayed up all night, you know, playing video games and doing coke. It's like, you know, and I'm like, and half the yeah, I just it's like uh, I mean it's fine it's it is it's cool but it's definitely well, if like you're by yourself there's no problem with that. But it would be like if there's a I feel like that that's like a societal um, lapse right there where it's not like you know when people are like their their jobs that need to get done I'm like these there's nothing that's gonna make them get up and go to work. <laughs> I mean, like right. it's not even lack of money that'll make it happen. It might be like if their cable gets shut off then they might think about it. <laughs> Like, and that's the point that's the point that i'm trying to say is that nobody wants to talk about that side of it where it's like you know there's a lot of people using the apocalypse as like a snow day you know again it's like hey i can just chill out and do, do I, what I, do. I got i got i gotta tap out 
All right. All right. Hey, good seeing you. Good seeing all of you. See you later. All right. Take care. Um, Tell your friends about Trump. <laughs> I wonder if it, did I get it in? Did I get it in? <laughs> no. I haven't seen him in a while. I, I love him. Yeah. No, it's like it's now. Is he still out doing his thing? Uh they're they were off the road. I think they're about to get back on. Um, yeah. So the thing is, like, you know, I, I, again, I think that's an important point, Dave, and we'll move on from it. But I just I think that there's a lot of people out there trying hard to take advantage of the situation and chill out. And, you know, it's tough. It's tough, right? Because it's like, it's no different than we face when someone comes in, like, forget about the pandemic, just like in other situations where they say they're sick. It's like, you don't want to tell them to work. Like, yeah, work in food. Like, I can't tell you, to, I'm not going to tell you to work. But when you tell me you're sick, like, you got a headache. Yeah. Well, it's also like, I don't want anyone working that's sick anyway. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to, I, for me, I feel like my frustration is like basically geared toward like one guy that I do like a whole bunch, but he basically like, the second this all went down, like it wasn't, even, we hadn't even closed the restaurant yet. And he's like, I'm out. And, uh, and I was like, but you work like 50 hours a week. Like, so who's going to, and that was before we even had to close just for takeout. And I was like, right. you know, I don't know. I feel like, and it's fine. I just, maybe there's like a level of envy too. Cause I'm not even wired that way. I wouldn't even know how to do it if I could, you know? No, listen, you're calling, you're, you're calling a spade a spade. And I'm going to happen to agree with you that it's a spade. So if I get if I got one last thing to highlight, I mean I don't know, man. I don't want to put you on the spot because like I was about to make my general point, and then I realized like you're you know you're you're doing your thing too, and I never want you to feel at all like I'm just a guy with opinions. I never want you to feel like I, you know I respect the hell out of you and everything that you do, but like I just don't understand some of these foundations, and it's not the ones you're rocking with, but if it was, you know I would tell you that are doing the whole like they're raising third party money to go deliver to hospitals. And then it turns out the hospitals don't even know it's coming. So yeah. it's like, at that point, like, aren't you, re that, that would be like, if I said to you, yo, Dave, if you gave me hundred dollars an hour, I'll spend the next 10 hours cutting everyone's lawn. So you yeah. like give me a thousand bucks. And then you find out that like, nobody wanted their lawn cut. Like, it's just, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing to me. And I just don't. I, mean, I guess I haven't seen that side of it. I felt like it was um, like a morale boost for even just like the sassy lady working the front desk at Newton Wellesley. I think I told you about this. She like gave me, you know, an earful of shit because I came in carrying four bags and Sarah Shaw, the manager, was carrying six. And she just looks at, looks at her and she's like, points at me. Oh, the nerve. Like, how could, you know, like, look at the guy as usual, walking in, not carrying the, you know, pulling his weight. And then, you know, it just turned, turned into this funny, rowdy thing. And it made her, you know, it made her day, made ours. And then um, the people came down. They were appreciative. I think I, so the thing okay. I, listen, this isn't my business to ask, but like, but like in that, was it scheduled? Like, how did it get set up? Yeah, no, they, they called us up. They gave us a credit card. They, All right, so what I'm saying is, there are organizations that are actively saying to the random public, yeah. hey, donate money to us. And for every X amount of dollars, we're going to bring a hospital food. Yeah. And then Children's Hospital, for example, is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't, Wait, just, bring bring, food. You yeah. can't just bring food. In. No, you, like, so, for example, I have a friend. You can't even go in the hospital. <laughs> I have a friend that's like a high-level person at Children's Hospital who told me they had to, they had to pick somebody and assign them and make them the contact for this stuff. 
yeah. because they were getting to a point where they were like, you can't just bring food. And so now they're coordinating it. But my point is these people in their efforts to fundraise for their restaurants were not even coordinating with the hospitals. They were basically- yeah, no, I think it's, this is all like a fledgling, you know, the first, I think the first couple of weeks are gonna be awkward and lurchy and then it'll find its, it'll, it'll get its equilibrium. But so what, I, I went to this place on, called Open Table in Maynard yeah. on Monday and it was cool, it was legit. And half of the volunteers have called out because they're all sick and, or don't want to be in the public. And so, like, they're just short-staffed. And um, it ended up being cool. I, I was talking to this lady, and she's like, yeah, let's get together after this is all over and done with. I'm like, you know what? That's – I'm not really work. I, I don't work that way. Like, I'll forget. You'll forget. And then we just won't ever do it. I'm like, what's a good day this week? And she's like, how about Monday? So I just showed up on Monday. And um, they, it's like a race against time because they'll get a whole bunch of shit donated, like toothpaste and – bananas and cornflakes and diapers and and they the, the people there are so organized that the whole entire building is like basically cataloged out to where it's going to go and it's like a hundred different families are getting it and elderly it was cool it's basically what you were talking about earlier what how it should be is like the people that need it the most are going to get hand-me-down socks or whatever you know it's like they just make sure it gets to where it needs to go and they have a slick kitchen that somebody donated with like all the best shit and but they also had, you know, 500 pounds of arugula that's all going to go bad. And I was like, if I, if I had more time, I wanted to stay and grind it up into pesto. And, you know, but it was like, I just made a giant vat of pasta for I mean, like a hundred dishes and then left. And as it turns out, I mean, what made it legit is that they didn't have anyone there to clean up either. I mean, it was like just me and the two people that had to stay late because I showed up like they were going to go home. And all of a sudden we're there scrubbing pots and doing the floors and everything, which was cool. But... <laughs> Yeah. Was good. Right. Well, guys. yeah, promote the shit on uh I'll put it on YouTube, Avi. Promote the shit. All right, man. We'll do it. That was All a right. two hour podcast. <laughs> I know somehow. Right. And we didn't the- even talk politics. Oh, well, we t- you tried repeatedly. All right, man. Peace. Good night, guys. See you guys. Bye. Heat in the kitchen. <laughs>